Good morning. As uh, Brother Josh pointed out, um, there's a connection card in the bulletin. I want to want you to pay a couple t- attention to a couple things on the connection card this morning that are special. Uh, connection group signups are on that connection uh, card. Uh, and that will start next Sunday night. We'll, uh, we'll have an eight-week uh, session of connection groups where we'll meet in homes or here. Uh, there's a group that, here, that meets here at the church and various times on Sunday. Um, and, and so it's a great time of just prayer and fellowship and, and, uh, and talking over the Scriptures. And so I would encourage you uh, to get connected through Wyatt, through those connection groups. And you can do that this morning, fill that out, or you can go online and uh, fill, out, uh, fill it out that way. Fill out the registration. The other thing is there's a place for you to put a prayer request. We're, we're really hoping that tonight, uh, along with the other great things we have going uh, with our Covenant Family Night, we'll also have uh, a great time of prayer. So if there's something that you would like for us tonight as a church to pray for that's going on in your life or the, the life of uh, people that you love or just a burden you have for our church or our nation, Whatever it might be, uh, we would uh, encourage you, uh, no matter how big or small that request might be, to submit that, and let's pray uh, as a church family tonight over uh, those issues. This morning we'll be in John chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. This morning we want to talk about temporary suffering and eternal joys. Temporary suffering and eternal joys. Verse 16. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us a little while? And you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Uh, I want to be careful how I say this. Um, what I'm going to say here is not based upon any deep knowledge, but observational knowledge. Okay, I don't know the depths of this, but I know that this is true. 
Childbirth is hard. Childbirth is painful. And I know that through observing four times my wife giving birth to our children. And you know the pain scale that they have with the one to ten and the frowny faces, uh, if I were to identify my wife in the moment of giving childbirth, it's a ten. No doubt, it's a ten. Uh, it's so difficult that uh, at one point, uh, in one of the, the births, my wife set, yells out, screams, crackers and cheese. And to which she told the nurses, I'm so sorry. To which they said, we've heard a lot worse. Right? I remember a rookie mistake in, uh, when Gabe was being born. We got there and they had the graph. I'd never seen the graph and the contractions there. And it was an amazing thing to see. And I noticed that I could see the contraction before my wife could feel it. And so I began to say, Ooh, you got a big one coming. And then it would come. And after about three times, she said, No, no, we're not doing that. Let's let it be a surprise. And so I've, I've realized that uh, with each child, I speak less in the labor room and just rub her back and say, I love you. And yet, and yet, 15 minutes after that baby is born, if, if, if everything is, is healthy and, and mom and, and baby have, have, have pulled every, through everything well, there is a peace and a joy like no other. Amen? As a pastor, I've been, been able to be in that room oftentimes about 30 minutes to an hour after all that goes down. And, and it's amazing the, the deep peace and there is no resentment to this child that just caused so much pain. There is only love and affection, peace and joy in that room. And then I know in that room... An hour ago, it was absolute chaos of pain and misery. And now there's peace. And that's exactly what the the illustration that Jesus points to when He's talking to His disciples over the fact that you're about to go through a difficult time. Right? This is This discourse, this continued discourse is Jesus preparing His disciples for what's about to happen. And he, he compares it to childbirth. He says, look, there's about to be great suffering for you. There's going to be suffering for me. But that suffering is going to give birth to joy. That temporary suffering is going to lead way to eternal joys. Because of the temporary suffering of Christ, we have been given hope in our own suffering and we will receive eternal glory. First, I want to look at the fact that temporary sufferings of Christ guarantee our own sufferings will be temporary. The death of Christ uh, would be a temporary agony for His disciples. The disciples are finally cluing in now to the fact that He's talking about something that's about to be really hard. I don't think they fully understood yet what all was about to go down, but I think they were starting to get the point something hard's about to happen. There's going to be some suffering. And the question when there is suffering a lot of times is, 
how long is this going to be, right? If you go in for surgery again, as a pastor, I've been in on that waiting room for lots of procedures, and uh, the question is that is most often given is, how long is this going to take? Procedure, 15 minutes, that's, hey, it's probably a, a pretty easy procedure with not a lot of risk involved. Four hours, four or five hours, you're talking about a pretty risky procedure. We, we would rather us be out and being, being operated on in a very short time. When we're talking about agony and pain, the length of time matters. And so for the disciples, they're asking, how long? How long is this going to take? And Jesus just doesn't give them a specific t- amount of time, but He does tell them a little while. It's temporary. It's not going to be an eternal suffering. It is going to be a temporary suffering. It's not going to be permanent. And yet, and yet we must realize that Christ acknowledges here that there will be a true agony for His disciples. No matter if it's considered a little while or not, Jesus acknowledges it's going to be hard, guys. He tells them, you're going to weep. You're going to lament. Are the words He uses. It's going to be very, very difficult. And that, He doesn't say, don't weep, don't lament. He, he gives it as a perfectly logical reaction to someone you love being ripped away from you in suffering. Let us never minimize the agony of the moment just because it's a moment. That person that, that has been widowed, you don't say, hey, you know, look at eternity. The years that you're looking forward to without this loved one, it's nothing. It's fine. No, it's, it's real. It's, it's painful. It's agonizing. Even, even though, yeah, a believer thinks, yeah, suffering is not going to be anything compared to eternal glory. We don't need to minimize. Jesus does not minimize the fact that, hey, this is going to be difficult. And it's going to be a death. It's going to be a suffering that, that divides the world. Not only did the world not sympathize with the disciples' agony, they rejoiced in the disciples' loss. It says there in verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Can you imagine? When you've come to this knowledge that this is the Son of God, and He's been stripped away in suffering from the world, to see a world that's happy about that, Don't expect the world to be sad over the things that you're sad about. And don't expect the world to rejoice over the things that you rejoice about. That's why we need community. That's why we need connection groups. That's why we need a church that we attend uh, on Sundays where we have people that will cry over the things we know we should be crying about. And rejoicing in the things we know we should be rejoicing about. So we see that though this 
suffering is temporary. We see that it's going to give way to give way to eternal joy. Because of Christ's temporary suffering, our suffering will give way to eternal joy. Verse 20, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Verse 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts, they will what? They will rejoice. First, I want us to notice about this this eternal joy, this this great joy that that is given to us in suffering and because of Christ's suffering is that the joy does not just come despite the suffering, but often because of it. It is not... Is this not what we see modeled in the crucifixion? It's not as if the joy of the resurrection is unconnected to the crucifixion, the sorrow and misery and pain of the crucifixion. No, if there had been no pain and suffering of the crucifixion, there would not have been the joy of the resurrection. Jesus prayed in the garden, if there's any other way to save man, kind, Father, bring, let's, let's, let's go with plan B. But if there's no plan B, I'm all in on plan A. The way to the glory of salvation ran straight through unimaginable suffering for Christ. Jesus reluctantly, because of its pain, but confidently because of the glory, said, bring it on. This is not what Hebrews 2, verses 2 tell us. Looking to Jesus. Okay, so we look to Jesus as our example. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are told here to to look to Jesus, who for the joy that was before Him endured the cross. This indicates that this will be the order of faith. That there is no crown without the cross. There is no joy without suffering. I don't know if there's anyone who has communicated this truth outside of the Scriptures than William Cooper. In his hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. In this beautiful hymn, he says, God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. He purposes, His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief 
is sure to err and scan His work in vain. God is His own interpreter and He will make it plain. Take courage, Christian, in the sorrows of life. They are real, but they are oftentimes the very thing that God will use to bring you joy and bring eternal glory. While suffering is temporary, we see that joy is eternal. Verse 22, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. While Jesus characterized their suffering as something that will take place for a little while, their joy is something that is permanent. It cannot be removed. Psalm 30 verse 5 says this, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Paul, a man with with no shortage of suffering, a man that had been shipwrecked and beat and left for dead multiple times. Romans 8.18, he says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. As Jim Elliott, the missionary cut down in Ecuador, said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The Christian life, sometimes we give up ease. We give up doing what we want to do for obedience to Christ. But when we give that up, we get what we cannot lose in eternal glory. Suffering on this earth is real. The pain is real. But it is temporary. And the joy that comes after, it's eternal. In our temporary suffering, it it helps us to see Christ as He is. As He is. We see repeated over and over in this text that after they don't see Christ, they will see Him. He was crucified. He was placed in a tomb out of their sight for three days. And then just as quickly as He left their sight, He came back into view for them. And I would argue they saw Him in a way they had never seen Him before. We have these words, these this, these words of Christ fulfilled uh, over and over again at the end of John. Mary Magdalene announced in verse twenty eighteen, "I have seen the Lord." The disciples saw him in verse twenty twenty. He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He told Thomas in verse twenty twenty seven, "See my hand." John in his letter, in his epistle, he says in verse 1, or in 1 John 1 1, that that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that we have seen with our eyes. Christ is truly 
a sight for the sorest eyes. Amen? And they're seeing Him changed everything. We know that after this, the disciples were never the same. I think it's similar in the way that, that Job, right? Job, after he went through his suffering, after God, he questioned God, and God kind of showed, showed up and, and, and told Job what's what. This is what Job said in verse chapter 20, 42, verse 5. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I think the disciples would have a similar testimony. I think they would say, you know, we heard the words, we even saw some amazing miracles, but we never really saw Him until we saw Him after the resurrection. We never really saw Him until we saw his, his, He suffer and, and, and bleed and die out and die there on the cross. And then all of a sudden to see Him standing victorious in a glorified body, that's when we saw Him. And that's when we were never the same. But probably even more important than that, than us seeing Him, is that He sees us. In verse 22 it says, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Before suffering, during suffering, and after suffering, Christ never loses sight of us. By Job's testimony, at times Job felt like he had lost sight of God. Job 23.8, If I go east, He is not there. And I, I, if I go west, I cannot find Him. When He is at work in the north, I cannot behold Him. When He turns to the south, I cannot see Him. Yet, okay, so, so right there Job's saying, I can't see Him. He says in verse 10, Yet He knows the way that I have taken. When He has tested me, I will come forth as gold. So Job says, none of that matters because He sees me. And I believe that even the depths of the disciples' despair, even when Christ was implementing the great powerful power of the resurrection, I think He knew what His disciples were going through. He saw them in their despair. And He sees us in our despair. Even when the suffering we are in causes our spiritual vision to fail to see God, if we are in Christ, God sees us always. Christian, take courage. Take courage in your suffering. And lastly, because of Christ's temporary suffering, we have been given access to the Father in prayer. Look what he says at the end here of our text. It says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy that your joy may be full. Um, we pray to the Father. Okay. What Jesus is telling his disciples, the, the disciples have been in a very unique situation. Um, they have been literally walking with Christ, literally, uh, every day waking up face to face with the Son of God. 
anything they needed to know, he was right there to ask them. Anything they needed in their life, he was right there to ask them or ask him. But but Jesus tells them, hey, when when I die, when I go back to the Father, what you need to be doing is to pray to the Father. To pray to the Father. You direct your prayers to Him. So does that mean that Jesus is not involved in our prayers? Does is Jesus saying here, hey, after I get this done, don't bother me. Bother the Father. Absolutely not. For He says clearly here that what you do is you pray in My name. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray to the Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Jesus is establishing the new order of things that are about to be brought about by His death, by His work on the cross. Jesus is the mediator between man and God. Listen, apart from Christ, we dare not enter into the presence of God to ask for anything. You better not. No matter how good the thing you're asking for, you you better not without Christ. Because when we are in Christ, it changes that dynamic. It changes everything. In fact, Hebrews 4 says that not only can we draw to the throne of God's grace to ask for help, we can do it boldly. Boldly? We're given the We're given the privilege of boldly coming to God to ask for His help. In Christ we can. What a glorious, glorious promise of absolute confidence we can have when we come in Jesus' name. But Here's a couple things I want you to notice about praying in Jesus' name. It must be based on relationships. Do you remember what happened in Acts chapter 19 to the sons of Sceva? There were some Jewish there were some Jewish guys that were casting out demons and they said, "Hey, you know what? There's some power in this Jesus name. So let's go, let's let's kind of use that to our advantage." And so they go and they start using Jesus to cast out this demon, and the demon says, "Hey, I know Jesus and I know some other people. Who are you?" And they and he beats them up. It does not go well. Because Jesus' name is not some magic word. It's something that if it's got to be based on relationship. You have to be in the Christ and Christ has to be in you. That's when you pray in Jesus' name and there is power. How often do those without faith in Christ and those refusing to be obedient to Christ will suddenly, in a moment of desperation, suddenly cry out His name. Invoke His name to help when there is no relationship that is there. It's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. And also, in in Jesus' name should not be a magic tagline at the end, but it should govern the entirety of your prayer. And here's what I mean. Are, are the things 
you are praying about, are those the things that you believe Jesus would put His name behind? Right? Jesus, in Your name I claim this Lamborghini. Is that, is that something Jesus particularly cares about? Sure, like if your family, if the family car is breaking down and you're having trouble, yeah, absolutely, you can ask God for, for help and, and, and ask those kind of things in Jesus' name, sure. You know, in those football games. I mean, can you really, you really think Christ is going to put His name, wants to put His name behind your team scoring a touchdown? However desperate you may be for it. But do you think Christ wants to put His name behind you praying for the nations? Asking for the nations to know Christ, to have missionaries come to them and tell them about Christ? Do you think in the moment of your family's pain, do you think when you ask for strength to get through it and strength to depend on Him, do you not think Jesus wants you to put His name on that? Absolutely. In Jesus' name is not a way to conform God's will to ours. It is a way to conform our prayers to God's will. And we pray for joy. It says, ask and you receive that your joy may be full. And we're so, I think so often we're untapped in the joys of Christ because we're not praying. Are you experiencing the joy of the Christian life? I ask you, have you prayed? Do you pray? Do you feel dis- disconnected from your God? Let me ask you, do you pray? Do you feel overwhelmed by the sufferings of this world? I ask you, do you pray? My desire for our church is that we be a praying people. I want to be a praying pastor. And I want to pastor a praying church. Let's not endeavor anything that has not been bathed with the joy of prayer. Bathed with joy-giving prayer. I encourage you, please come back tonight. Submit prayer requests and come back tonight. Let's pray for one another so that we might know the joy that comes with prayer. Christian, you're either coming out of suffering or you're in the middle of suffering. Or you're heading into suffering. But I guarantee you, as long as you live on this earth, before our glorification, before Christ makes all things new, suffering is never going to be far from you. But take courage. Because of Christ's temporary suffering on the cross, And because He suffered the suffering that we deserved, we have been given eternal joy.
he has gone much he's been he's gone much further than just making our suffering temporary he has given us eternal joy that one day the suffering will it'll be no more unbeliever let me talk to you for a moment can i tell you that life is hard and i know it's hard for you cuz you don't have christ and can i know, can i tell you that if you will trust Christ, if you will call out to Him, the One who suffered temporarily to, 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 to receive the glory that is due Him, which includes the salvation of mankind, that if you would call out to Him this morning, I want you to know that you can have hope this morning. You can have eternal glory. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I'm going to ask you to please stand and respond to God's Word this morning, however He's put in your heart to respond, whether that's coming down front and praying, or praying where you are. Just take a moment just to think through suffering you're in, suffering you may be headed towards, suffering you're coming out of, and think about God's faithfulness to do what He did through the cross. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we thank You for the cross, for that temporary suffering so that our suffering may be temporary. And God, I thank You for the eternal joy that You have given us in Christ. And God, I, I know in a crowd, I know in this crowd there are people that are suffering. And there's people that aren't far from it. God, I just pray that in that suffering they would take courage. That they would pray more than they've ever prayed before. That they would see You with eyes that they've never seen You with before. God, move in the hearts of Your people. God, reveal Yourself to, to people that aren't Your people this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died.